Hi everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast where we get in hardcore with dancers from all around the world and have a really open and honest chat about ballet training and the highs and lows of being a ballet dancer, trying to become a professional ballet dancer or a dancer in general. I'm your host Romy Dare and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone, so in today's episode I'm joined with Terry Hyde or um, also known as Counselling for Dancers which you know we'll, I'll put a link of where you can find him at the at the end of the episode and also in the description um, but let's just get into it. Hi Terry. Hi Romy. How are Thanks you? So <laughs> to be on here. Yeah no it's really nice to um, have you on and to chat about kind of the recent stuff that's been going on in I guess the ballet world and stuff like that let's get straight on into the beginning and um, let the listeners get to know you you can talk about how you started and got into dance progressing up until you you know your career and then going into and then what got you into counseling and why you made that change okay well Going way back into the dark ages, uh, I was six years old when I did my first ballet class. Mm. And by the age of 10, my teacher obviously thought I had something. And she put me in for a scholarship for the RAD in London because I I lived uh, in London. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did five years, I got five one-year scholarships from the RAD. And then I went into the Royal Ballet Senior School. Uh, I spent two and a half years there, um, and the half year was because the artistic director of the Royal Ballet Touring Section, which is now called Birmingham Royal Ballet, mm-hmm. um, uh, asked if I asked the permission for the school for me to join the company um, mm-hmm. because they needed. I, I am uh, short. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, I'm yes, uh, and they needed they needed uh, a, a dance, a short dancer to to play the Russian Sun in Boutique mm-hmm. Fantasque. They were just uh, putting it on, mm-hmm. and Leonid Massin had come over to put it on. So I worked with Leonid Massin, which is great. Mm. Um, um, who choreographed Boutique Fantasque, uh, and because. In rep classes in the in the Royal Ballet School, we learn all the Royal Ballet rep. So yeah. I knew all the rep, and so they fitted me in to all the other things on yeah. that first tour. At the end of the um, tour, they said we'd like you to become a permanent member. <laughs> so at, at quite a young age, I uh, joined the Royal Ballet. I, I didn't finish my three years; I needed two and a half years at the Royal Ballet School. So I spent nearly three years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and developed uh, character work because, you know, I, I sort of, it was in a niche there mm-hmm. at, at my height. Yes, I was doing classical ballet stuff, but I was also doing a lot of character work. Okay. And my old teacher from the Royal Ballet School, uh, Donald Britton, mm-hmm. um, said, you should go and join London's Festival Ballet. Okay. Uh, that company is now called English National Ballet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Join London's Festival Valley because they do a lot of character work and you'd be really great there. So I did. I went to join mm-hmm. them and I joined as a soloist, in fact, wow. and did a lot of principal roles there, some great character stuff. 
uh, Sancho Panza in Don Q, uh, mm -hmm. headmistress in Graduation Ball, uh, and all the Russian stuff, you know, yeah. in, in the classical ballets, yeah. <clears throat> and other sort of other characters, Dr. Capelius. Um, so there was a, a, a lot of character work there, but I wanted to do more, I wanted to use my voice. So after a few years, okay. I left the ballet bubble and mm -hmm. went into musical theatre. The first mm -hmm. show that I did was West Side Story, a tour of the UK. Oh, it was an absolutely incredible show. <laughs> wonderful show. It's wow. not like a film, mm -hmm. you know, because who came before the film? It was brilliant. Um, and then I went into the West End doing different shows, uh, films uh, and TV mm -hmm. as well. So when I retired, um, I set up a business to look after people in show business. So it's business management. So it's not, okay. an, agent, not an agent, it's yeah. just to manage their affairs for them. Um, and I ran that uh, for 15 years. I set it up, ran it 15 years. Uh, lots of people working for me by the time I sold the business. But it was in that 15 years when clients would come to me for usual meetings, they mm -hmm. would start offloading about their personal problems. Oh, and I got okay. really interested in that mm -hmm. um, because, of course, I didn't know what to do, but I was interested mm -hmm. in the fact, why are they talking to me about it? Mm. So when I sold the business 15 years later, I then trained as a psychotherapist. Okay. And um, then I started to understand why people offload, why people uh, were able to talk to me and not to anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, and in the first, uh, as part of our training, we had to do four years of weekly therapy ourselves. Okay. So it's, it's a way of sort of clearing you out from all those suppressed things. Because I thought, why do I need therapy? There's nothing wrong mm. with me. Mm. Oh, but <laughs> when you find out what, what what's going on what's your, what are you holding yeah. back what have you buried it's uh, fascinating to find out mm -hmm. so it's personal development as well as clearing out also it's to know what goes on within yourself that's affecting you by the client in front of you and mm -hmm. um, so you can understand you know if if for instance uh the the the, the client in front of you was attacked on the street and the mm. therapist maybe was attacked on the street. How is it affecting you listening to this? Yeah. So it, it gives you greater understanding. You can set that aside. And we have to have, as therapists, we have to have mm. an hour and a half of clinical supervision a month. Okay. So mm -hmm. Take cases to the clinical supervisor and mm -hmm. talk about those, also talk how it affects us or not, or all these things. So we mm -hmm. need that for both our protection and for the client's protection yeah. the clinical supervisor must know that we're still okay to see patients or clients yeah but it wasn't until the uh towards the uh, the middle of 2016 okay. that a retired dancer came to see me when they were discharged from a psychiatric unit mm -hmm. and they came to see me because they knew uh that i had been a dancer Okay. And so they, and that, that, that dancer said, you will understand what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. So before then, I was seeing general public. I never saw a dancer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then when uh, the dancer uh, had about six months of therapy and mm -hmm. then they were, they were discharged. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this 
is what I need to do. Mm. I need to concentrate on dances, any genre but the, the dances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in fact, now it's actually spread to performing artists because I'm seeing actors, musicians, uh, singers, etc. Mm -hmm. But then, I, so in January of 2017, I then set up a website called counselingfordancers.com. Mm -hmm. And it was then my intention to get out to schools, dance companies, etc. Mm -hmm. the, the gradual, the last, the first few months, um, I was going to One Dance UK meetings. I went to the mm -hmm. I Adams conferences as yeah. well. I Adams is the International Association for Dance Medicine Science. Yeah. Um, and realized that there's nobody being proactive about it. So yeah. it's everything about physical health, but nothing about mental health. Yeah. The, re the reactive way is to have counselors in um, schools. And perhaps there's dance, some of the bigger dance companies have uh, counsellors there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but no one was doing anything proactive. So I, I set up workshops. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would offer to schools and dance companies and take my work as a proactive approach. Uh, and it's mm -hmm. mental health, self-care mm -hmm. for dancers. Um, so if you go onto my website, you'll see the workshops tab. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, it explains about the workshops, but you can see the schools and colleges that that I've been to, the dance mm -hmm. companies I've worked with. Um, I even went over to the United States and spent two days in New York City oh, with wow. the Joffrey Valley School. Okay. Um, and I did a little yeah. tour of Boston and uh, Connecticut as well while I was doing workshops up there. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite a close area. It's only, yeah, yeah. It's only like three hours train journey to get uh, anywhere around that yeah. area there. Um, and it was interesting to see how their reaction to situations, they're much easier about talking about their issues. Okay. Yeah, we're very stiff upper lip. I yeah. do think that is a maybe a British thing. And I don't know yeah. if that's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We are resistant. We do sweep things under the carpet. And yeah. I found that over the years, the, the three years that I've been doing this, because I've got um, therapy clients all around the world mm -hmm. now, that the different cultural backgrounds uh, have different mm -hmm. aspects to the way they look at them. So okay. there's a, a, a Japanese client said that their culture, they don't talk about things. It all gets swept okay. under the carpet. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it was it was difficult for that dancer to start talking about it and um but it, it's interesting you know having having uh, clients from all around the world yeah and so this was all done before lockdown so i was doing zoom therapy <laughs> sessions prior to that but yeah. now everything's on zoom as we're mm -hmm. doing now mm -hmm. although the the listener can't see they, us. Were, they can't see us <laughs> <laughs> um and so th that really is is the the history going from six years old to where we are now um, mm. and where I am now trying to still convince people that there should be a parity between physical health and mental health. Yeah. You know, dance companies spend tens of thousands of pounds on machines for physical mm -hmm. maintenance. Mm -hmm. And they do, you know, they go, oh, really? Do we want you to come in to be proactive? 
for our dancers? Well, yes, you do. Because then <laughs> if the dancers can understand their emotions, mm -hmm. they can start dealing with it and not just close themselves off from yeah. it. And so that's why people come to me because help is, is not necessarily forthcoming. Plus, I understand their mindset. I understand yeah. where they come from. I understand both the physical and emotional pain that they have gone mm -hmm. through right from childhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, the, loads of people, especially ballet dancers and ballroom dancers and Latin dancers and mm -hmm. gymnasts have started from an early age. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I can admit that I lost a childhood because of it, yeah. because of the concentration. Um, swimmers as well. You know, these young swimmers that travel miles to go to do their morning swim. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and they've, got no, they've got no other thing to do. You know, they, mm. they can't play with their friends because yeah. of doing classes or doing mm -hmm. training, etc. Yeah. Athletes as well, I suppose, mm -hmm. could fall into the same category. And yeah. so I, I do truly understand, whereas other counsellors, however good they may be, don't yeah. understand. So when I take the history down of, of new clients, I, I say, mm -hmm. have you had any therapy before? And some of them that have will say, yes, but they didn't understand me. I came, you know, they, they, they went along with anxiety and the therapist said, well, perhaps you should give up dancing. Okay. <laughs> How can you tell a dancer that? <laughs> yeah you can't do that no you can't oh, but there God. are ways of dealing with anxiety as just yeah. sort of one example it's mm -hmm. a it, it's it's not that difficult to help in that respect yeah that was really that's a really like detailed and i guess kind of crazy timeline like i didn't know any of that information and it's really interesting to hear um you know how it all happened and the reasoning behind it. Um, I particularly find it interesting also like the different cultures and how like different cultures and like, you know, you say you've got clients kind of everywhere and um, how they, I guess, deal with their feelings because I mean, that's something that I, I'm Australian, like originally Australian and I've always been and my family are like, we're all very open. Um, and something that I did notice when like coming to the UK, like a lot of people and even like when I went to Valley West and, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, wouldn't cry, like didn't feel comfortable crying in front of other people because of how they'd been brought up in their culture, not to cry in front of other people, you know, because it seemed as weak, um, even though it isn't um, and kind of like not feeling able, like they're able to talk to people about it and almost like not to talk to people about it. So I find it's really interesting kind of hearing other people say that because I've always kind of felt that there is a bit of a culture difference between different places and how people deal with their feelings and stuff like that. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, let's get have to a the next question. Yeah, before you get to the next question, because mm -hmm. I think this may cover a, a later question. You yeah. said that you don't want to appear weak. Mm -hmm. And this, I think, is the crux of not asking for help. Yes. Um, both at school and in, in a dance company, because mm -hmm. we're, we're trained from early age to push through, yes. to uh, go work through the pain uh, mm -hmm. and all of that, which is terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. <laughs> and when, so I think about, when you think about it now, no, you yeah. don't 
you need to be supported and so therefore the the directors the principals of the school um all need to understand that they need to be more open mm -hmm. with their dancers whether they're yeah. student dancers or professional dancers yeah. to say we will listen to you and we will support you then mm -hmm. the dancers are then going to be more open in yes. saying i'm actually not feeling well today do you mind yes. if i don't do this or yes whatever and so the more yeah. open it'll be the more support they get the more likely they'll be able to talk mm -hmm. and um when you get to situations where they're pushing themselves too far we're all perfectionists that's yeah. the thing yeah we don't want to show that we are weak we mm -hmm. might if we're shown weakness we might not be cast yeah we might be out of the company we might not get the the, the renewal of the contract we may be out of the school what's the mm -hmm. assessment going to be like uh, at the end of the term if i show that i've been off or i didn't want to do class because mm -hmm. grandma died you know all mm -hmm. of these sorts of things um so and i think in our conversation um before we went on air mm -hmm. um you were saying about at Bali West and how you you talked amongst the group and how different it was. So can I throw that to you then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll talk. Um, I remember in second year there was a time, and you know, any people that were in my class were listening, like will remember because we always talk about it now. Like, um, it's really funny, but we were kind of like it was kind of like October time. So I don't know how how other people feel but like you know that in when it gets to like winter and you know the mornings are dark and it's dark early in the evening and it's like it feels like it's always dark um and i feel like that definitely affects you like up in the head in terms of like maybe motivation and things like that um just because i do think sunlight helps and when there's no sunlight it does make it more difficult um and there Especially was a in scotland mm -hmm. where you were in, uh, near yeah. Robin, uh, yeah. very short days in winter yeah it was always like it just felt like it was always dark um and it was just like working up towards our ballet assessment which was in december and it was kind of like the days were getting long and we were doing lots of rehearsals for tour and everything just was very heavy our bodies were tired our heads were tired um and basically our principal, well, vice principal sat us down um, and basically said we kind of need to sort ourselves out because, um, you know, he wasn't happy with what he was seeing, like, in the classroom. Um, he didn't think we were working hard enough or something. I can't exactly remember, but we all sat down. It was in a really awkward conversation. And I think this is a big thing, kind of what you were talking about before, about how, you know, um, company directors and principals need to show that they're supportive because I don't think we felt that I remember we all went into the room and we were kind of a bit like scared like oh what's he going to say and then we were kind of talking about how we were a little bit down and someone brought, was like bringing up um, I can't remember something like body image and kind of struggling with that and I remember it was very it was almost like dismissed saying like oh it's easy like know some people need more of this and some people need more of that and just talking in a very like dismissive way and I think that kind of that wasn't helpful and then basically how we were feeling was then put into our hands and I was because I was the student rep at the time I mean I was in charge of setting up a, 
group meeting for our group um which i did and we all went down to my house and we kind of like sat down in a circle and went around like one by one kind of talking about um, our emotions and it it got really deep really quickly i guess because well i was the first one to open up and i think as soon as i i started opening up like you know you can kind of keep going and then everyone else felt comfortable to open up because i felt comfortable to start it um and we were all like kind of crying and it was really like it was quite intense um but i just remember after that kind of sitting down and talking about things how more com how we felt so much more comfortable around each other but also like we felt more comfortable asking each other like in the future like oh like are you okay if you want to talk about something you know you can you know we can talk about it because we'd already opened up previously as a like as a group and everyone kind of was more aware of each other's maybe issues and problems and things that maybe set them off and things not to talk about and insecurities and things like that and it made us a lot more aware of each other as like how we work mentally rather than just like seeing you know a person physically and thinking oh you know they look like they're, they're always working so hard you know they must be you know they're fine they're always motivated blah, 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 blah. and then you know people unpack things and then you realize that's not really the case and then you then can you know it just makes things easier i think and it brings people a lot closer together and i just remember that was really helpful for everyone um but yeah <laughs> well, you see that would be a good idea with with uh year groups uh or mm -hmm. with dance companies to be able to do that but of course the mm -hmm. dance companies are a very hierarchical yes uh, and i think the principles the soloists the court have been all separating mm -hmm. so maybe just the separate groups of of people to be able to do that mm. uh, on a weekly basis perhaps mm. you know spend a time in a group and just uh opening up and being because there's a bonding there hundred yeah definitely and um you know i think i think in a lot of dance companies there's competition yes or, or perceived competition yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that that can be broken down actually you know i'm not after your roles um, yeah, yeah yeah i'm after your sandwiches no. <laughs> yeah um, so, so from from that point of view you know to be able to open up and and be comfortable doing it mm -hmm. uh, will be such a plus in uh, schools and dance companies yeah i think that's like the big thing is um feeling comfortable doing it because i can imagine like i feel like in a school environment you know i didn't do it with like we didn't do it with the whole year we only did it with my like with group one which was the class i was in um and i do wonder if it was different if it had been both groups because we didn't know the other group as well as we knew our like class and i do and you know when you have like friendship groups and i'm thinking more like when it gets like company how like you talked about the hierarchy thing um i think if like to do it as in like all the core to do it i think that could be really helpful because because you know once you kind of know 
you just know each other and there's that whole bonding experience like you said but i also think that means you know how the core is meant to be in unison and when they're dancing you know in a big corps de ballet i feel like that almost brings a unison to it mm. i could i just feel like that would be helpful but it's kind of difficult i think initiating it and a lot you know everyone has a different scale of comfortableness how i guess comfortable they are talking about things which is i think difficult to tackle but <laughs> and, and you know when when it's done in those sort of groups you will recognize having heard about what's going on for that individual mm -hmm. you, can, you can recognize when things aren't going so well so you'd be able to go up to them and say mm. would you like to talk about something i mean mm -hmm. this this thing nowadays of hi how are you and then they don't actually want to know what how are you how, yeah, how yeah. you are yeah so you know ask twice i mean that's that's my sort of thing okay ask twice in other words how are you and they say oh i'm fine you know the the, mm. the theater mask goes on yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm fine. I'm all right. And say, mm. actually, no, I can see you're not. Um, mm -hmm. How are you? Mm -hmm. And then don't fix anything. Just allow okay. the person to talk. Just okay. be there to listen. Mm -hmm. And then, and then once they once they finish, say, is there anything that you would like me to do for you? Okay. To help you? Or how do you think you can, you know. Um, think of this in a different way or how do you think um someone can help you you know it depends on the situation obviously yeah, yeah, if you're if you're acute and you've actually listened to what they're saying active listening is what it's called mm -hmm. so uh, all you listeners that are listening look it up type it do a search active listening active, uh -huh. active listening yeah um yeah. so so that you are actually acutely aware of what the individual is saying so that um, you, and I said, don't try and fix anything. Ask mm -hmm. if they need help and support. That's all you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when it comes to, I mean, we'll, yeah, I'll, we can like talk about this now. I guess when you want to approach someone because, you know, maybe you're worried about them or you don't feel like they're, I guess, themselves or maybe something's going on, but also vice versa. Um, if you're, you're wanting to open up, I think it's, I mean, in my experience, because I like, it's really weird. Um, I feel it like a loads of people would always come like, I guess, to me for advice or to talk to me just because I like, you know, talking through things and, um, you know, I like to listen to people and I guess try and help. Um, it's kind of difficult knowing what to say, especially if it's something that you haven't gone through before. There's some things like in my experience, like when I talk because I, you know, had quite a bad injury in third year. And then when people would, you know, talk to me about their injuries and you could kind of bond over something that you've both had a similar experience and then help each other get through it because you've both gone through it. But I think it's more difficult when someone comes to you or you ask someone about something that you haven't really experienced and you, I guess, don't know what to do. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like you just said, um, of not actually giving them any actual, like, advice, but letting them talk. Yes, don't give people advice. Okay. <laughs> That's the bottom line, because... Yeah. Your advice not may not resonate with them. Yeah. 
Now that's why you ask them how, if they want any help, how would you like uh, okay. help? And yeah. I think for, for anyone who has something on their mind, choose carefully the person you wish to share with. Mm -hmm. So you, you need a trusting person and you need to know that they will listen to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the, the opening line is that I'm not feeling well today uh, emotionally. Would you mind me sharing things with you? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's difficult mm -hmm. really because they, they may say, no, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, that's why I'm saying about be careful or make sure who you're sharing with, because obviously if someone has, has gone through a difficult time themselves, it may not be the right person to speak with because it would upset them. Yeah. Well, and when you are listening to somebody, don't say me too. Oh yes, this happened to me and I did this and I did. they don't want to know about that. They want to tell you about their thing. Mm. Right. So no comparing mm -hmm. of what, what's happened to you just say i can understand what you're going yeah. through that's mm -hmm. all you need to say yeah because you don't have to say uh that i mean if they if they're an angry person and they're projecting it all onto you just allow it to happen mm -hmm. and say that must be terrible for you i can hear the anger in your voice mm. all right so there's empathy yeah. there that's yeah. all you need to do mm -hmm. okay I'm not training. I'm not training everyone to be a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what I do advocate is advocate is that all dance teachers and all dance company management that deal with dancers should mm -hmm. do the mental health first aid course. Okay, I didn't know there was a mental. That's really. It is. Yeah. So there's an organisation, uh, Mental Health Self Care UK. That's the original organization. And mm -hmm. from that, people have done training, uh, not just in that, but also as a trainer and got up and set up their own companies. So I okay. think people do it online at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a, a hundred to 200 pounds for the course. Mm -hmm. um, and for those that actually do want to give up dancing, what mm -hmm. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, some people mm -hmm. may want to give up dancing. Uh, mm -hmm. Train as a trainer, if if that's the sort of thing that you would like to do. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely like yeah. I'll leave the link for that website and maybe other links where people okay. can find because I think that could be really helpful. And I definitely, I didn't know there was like a mental health first aid thing, but yeah. I do wish that's something that um, you know people go on about like a first aid course of like or a teacher having a first aid course. Um, but like physical first aid and there really needs to be um, you know okay. more people doing the mental health one because it's just as important as physical health but like, first know. aid the physical first aid course doesn't train mm -hmm. you to be a paramedic and okay. the mental health first aid course doesn't train you to become a counsellor or a psychotherapist yeah. mm -hmm. it's literally first aid what do you do when someone mm -hmm. has a panic attack what do you do when yeah. someone has a breakdown Mm. How do you recognise certain things from symptoms, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, before uh, anything happens? So that those are the sort of things that the first aid course will teach you. Yeah, I think there's that's definitely like can be so valuable because even um, like 
I I guess like a few years ago, like when I was in first year, I like I didn't really understand what a panic attack was because I hadn't really had one. But you know, I was seeing people have them around me, and I you know didn't know what was going on. And it's you know it's kind of like it's I guess difficult to understand if you have no I guess knowledge of it. Um, and it's even worse that you know there's teachers that I guess you know they're meant to be supportive and they're meant to be able to help but then when a student has a breakdown or a panic attack they can't offer any support it's it's really quite i guess quite sad and i think you know that must happen every like at a lot of places because mm. i think you know struggling with like mental health and stuff is something i think everyone goes through um okay let's kind of talk and go back to maybe like i guess more recent events and like more stuff that's been on the news regarding Bay west and a lot of the i guess the allegations of abuse um i mean and sexual harassment but you know we can talk about whatever um and you know, there's been a lot of the students affected by this, whether it be kind of firsthand or not for, or like through having friends that've gone through it. And even, I guess, even students from my year, like you know, we sat down actually and had a call. My class, well, like my group, the group ones, um, had a call and kind of talked about things. And we like replayed a few bits from like our training, kind of talked about things, and be like, oh, you know yeah, that was kind of weird or like, oh yeah, you know, we didn't feel too great about that then. Um, and there is a lot of like brushing under the carpet at the time for sure. And I think because of everything that's come out, it has made a lot of students re like, you know, obviously not just us, but a lot of students go back and replay memories and think about, okay, you know, how did this actually make me feel? Or was I trying to just pretend it was normal and, um, you know, think that that's what I guess is part of ballet and has to be done. Um, but what, you know, from a psychotherapist perspective, what have, what are like some of the things that students have been going through and yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> It's, it's uh, interesting li listening to you, Romy, mm -hmm. because you're answering your own questions. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, and that is what happens in a therapy session. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the therapist should not necessarily give advice. Okay. They give techniques to use. Okay. So that would be supposedly advice. Mm -hmm. But they would they would get the the client or the patient to talk through situations mm -hmm. and then realizations come out and so the client actually answers the question for themselves. Okay. The mm -hmm. time uh, the therapist would intervene would um, would be when they see a maladaptive way of thinking or doing something. Do you understand what that is? No, what's what's that? Um, well, mal means bad. Mal, okay. mal, bad, adaptive. Okay. So you're adapting to something. So let's take an extreme. Okay. Um, 
uh, a traumatic event happens. Someone mm -hmm. wants to forget it, so they turn to the bottle and they, they, they use drink. Mm -hmm. Self-medicate, that is a maladaptive way of dealing with something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, and, and adaptive is to change something. So it's a positive okay. way of looking at it, thinking I've had a traumatic event. I mm -hmm. need to talk to someone about it. Mm -hmm. And so okay. you get professional advice and you go along mm -hmm. to a therapist and there in the therapy session, you will have a protective safe place to open up because everything is confidential. So when you're mm -hmm. saying to me, what about the other people that have come to see you from mm -hmm. Ballet West? I can't tell you about that. Yeah. And so I can only generalize. Yeah. And it's very difficult to generalize because the listeners to your podcast uh, are ex Ballet West. And so they've been, oh, that yeah. must have been such, oh, that must have been such and such. So I, I've got to be very careful. Yeah. yeah. With that. Mm. So when, when, when a, a client comes to therapy, they must know that they are safe to talk yes. okay. even about a named person okay know mm -hmm. that it's not going to go out and so mm -hmm. when when um i go to schools then i mm -hmm. offer therapy i'm on the i'm on the schools list mm -hmm. and i and so someone contacts me a parent contacts me and said oh and, and then the student the son or daughter speaks to me you're not going to tell such and such i know you know so i have to mm -hmm really okay. convey that it's safe to do so mm. um where was i going with that i told you i rambled didn't i it's fine <laughs> it's fine so going back to um what's been going on for ballet west mm. you're quite right and that's said you answer your own questions you were quite mm. right that uh so those that have have it in the past been students those are the existing students and i've had some uh, students that were going to start uh, next month. Yeah. Um, and I think from, from the point of view of any of them, mm -hmm. realize you're better out of it. Mm. 100%. Uh, because of the situation. And you mentioned about, oh, well, this is ballet. I've got to put up with it. Well, mm. this is what I'm fighting against. This is what I'm yeah. trying to stop is, no, you don't have to get up with it. You need to assert yourself. Yeah. You say, I, I don't like the way you're speaking to me mm -hmm. and I think it's inappropriate mm -hmm. or I don't like the way you, what you're doing to me that is inappropriate mm -hmm. um, the the inability of of uh, Jonathan's mother to deal with situations yeah compromise the whole the whole thing yeah was actually complicit yes in, in his uh, uh, sexual abuse yes all of that mm -hmm. And, and so that exacerbated situations for the students. There was no one to go to. Yeah. Um, uh, and even, I think some of them went to the board of trustees. Yes, the board of trustees. And, and she was earlier the chair. on, and she was the chair when you, I think yeah. you were there, but she then resigned mm -hmm. uh, after there was a obvious, an obvious conflict of interest. So yeah. you had no recourse to mm -hmm. anything. That was uh, definitely very yeah. sad. And so there was no, there was nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. um, so fr from that point of view, and from now on, I and, and I and I say to the students when I'm doing the workshops, you need to assert your feelings. I, uh, and I explain what assertive communication is, and I won't do mm -hmm. it now. Yeah. Um, but 
that that is what's happened. So it's not shouting and screaming at anyone. Yeah. As in, I'm going to be assertive. It's mm -hmm. assertive communication is 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 something different. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So when when that happens, then people usually find that the other person says, "Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't realise you were upset about that because mm. it may have been going on and on, and no one's actually confronted them." Yeah. On the other hand, if they say, "Well, toughen up. This, you know, if you don't like it here, get out." Then yeah. you know you need to get out, or and yeah. you need to also complain to someone higher up, not necessarily the board if they're in the pocket of the directors mm -hmm. or the principal, but you need to go to the education authority or something like that. Yeah. Actually, mm -hmm. you know, like the RAD mm -hmm. uh, or whoever, or the local education authority that licenses the schools. Mm. Yeah. Um, so all of this needs to come from the bottom upwards mm -hmm. to let the people at the top know this is not good enough. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a big thing. Like when I look back, I you know, I'm trying to think of any like major issues that people might have wanted to, I guess, complain about. Obviously, the whole the fact that. You know, you couldn't read, there wasn't any counsellor, you couldn't go see anyone. And particularly it's awkward because, you know, you were told, oh, yes, you can go speak to Gillian. But then Jonathan's the one teaching and he's her son. And, you know, that doesn't didn't work too well, I guess. Well, no, not at all. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Full stop. Um, but I think a lot of the time, like when look like looking back, is that when there were issues, you know, I was speaking to a friend and, you know, she was saying and we were talking about that it was, it felt like a lot of effort, I guess, to complain because I don't, but I also just don't think there was clear, it wasn't clear enough how, like what you had to do if you had an issue, like who, you know, we only really knew of to contact the board and we didn't really know who else to contact higher than that and i think that made it really difficult for people to i guess feel comfortable but also i guess complain about things or you know criticize or you know give feedback and you know make or make a formal complaint and things i think that made it really difficult and then i guess also the fact with the board i think we would you know we had talked about things you know relationships that we'd heard of um and making formal complaints but then knowing that obviously Gillian was the chair of the board kind of made it difficult and then any everyone automatically thinks it's not worthwhile um which I think made it you know that made it difficult but obviously doesn't have to no one has to worry about that now <laughs> but yeah that stumped you doesn't it yeah <laughs> it's weird like th i guess thinking about it in that sense <laughs> like i never really i don't know i've never really thought about that i don't know like thinking of that if that makes sense <laughs> yes so this it's... is the romy adair part therapy session <laughs> everyone's gonna listen to one <laughs> nah it's okay um I mean, to be fair, like, I would literally probably be okay with <laughs> talking about, like, having a therapy session on, like, to, and everyone listening. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but...
Um, so so uh, perhaps I can add here that mm -hmm. um, I have an offer for yeah. the past, present and future um, Ballet West students of one yeah. consultation free. Mm -hmm. If they need to, if they would like to contact me, um, mm -hmm. the the email address will be typed out. But it's counsellingfordancers at mm -hmm. gmail dot com. Yeah, that will be in the description of the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Um, and yeah, is there anything before we wrap up? Is there anything else that? you want yes. to add terry yeah yeah, yeah. There is. Yep. okay so very briefly negative situations are always always regardless of the negative situation an opportunity yes mm -hmm. so if you look at it that way then there's always going to be a positive coming out of a negative situation mm -hmm. um and I'm saying always, you know, however yeah. disastrous some things are, you're always going to be a positive situation coming out. And then there's the fixed mindset versus the flexible mindset. Yeah. So when you're okay. looking at negative situations, the fixed mm -hmm. mindset is always, oh, it always happens to me. I'll never be able to get on. I can't do this. Yeah. Having a flexible mindset just makes it so much easier to move forward. Mm -hmm. and be open-minded about it i mean if you look at the covid situation the lockdown um yeah. the, the workshops and the talks that i've been doing over this period of time um i've been saying to dancers and especially ballet dancers in their little bubble mm. um, why not do an online class in tap or in jazz mm. uh because no one's going to see you if you make mistakes yeah and if that's you might really like it you know, and it's going to broaden your horizons for the future. You mm. can't do ballet all the time, but you can continue doing uh, musical theatre. Learn how mm. to sing. Take your uh, mm. instrument that you put into the cupboard uh, when you when you uh, started concentrating more on ballet. Get it mm. out of the cupboard. Start playing it again. You can yeah. do it. Yeah, exactly. So much more. Draw, paint, walk. There's so much. Yeah. 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 So fixed mindset versus flexible mindset. Mm. I definitely think that the really important thing um, and something that I've been working on a lot, I guess, physically like during training. Um, and I think it's, you know, I mean, I think it's, diff it's definitely like a journey of building up a more flexible mindset, particularly if you're someone who's come from a more like fixed mindset it's kind of, you know, it takes time to realise that, you know, there is always a positive to a situation. Seeing the silver lining, because um, you really have to step out from the way you view something and really try and see different perspectives of a situation, see it from, you know, other people's perspectives because, you know, everyone experiences things differently and sees it differently. And I guess all I'm trying to say is that it takes time. Um, but it's so important, I think, for particularly like if you have like of achieving a goal and going through something that's so, I guess, mentally and physically draining, it's very important to have a flexible mindset because I think, you know, I guess looking back at things, but also knowing other people's like situations, whether it be injury, things in castings and, you know, 
difficult times really to get yourself move like continue moving on is having like the flexible mindset like you just said is really important yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a ramble but i really like i'm that's something that i'm a big advocate for with like when i talk to my friends like of seeing things in different perspective it's something that i really think is important <laughs> Well, Romy, thank you for coming along to my podcast and talking to me about your thoughts <laughs> around <laughs> about uh, yeah. flexible mindset. <laughs> oh, I know. Okay. Um, is that, have we, you know, are we, ha are you happy with everything kind of we've talked about? Is there anything else you'd like to add or I'll let the, we can, we'll finish off there and before we end where can the listeners find you other than you know i'll leave the email down below but um i know you've got instagram and is that that's just at counseling for dancers yeah so instagram and facebook and facebook at, okay at counseling for dancers okay please don't try and follow my personal account on facebook <laughs> i won't put that i won't so at Counseling for Dancers, Facebook and Instagram, and mm -hmm. on Twitter, that I don't really use much, is at Counseling Dance. And the counseling has got a single L in that because okay. there wasn't enough digits to, okay. to put in. Okay. Uh, Dancers.com is the website. And I'll repeat again Counseling for Dancers at gmail.com mm -hmm. is the email address. Yeah and you're offering a one session one yeah. free session for any future well yeah like people who are going to start in september present and past barry west students but yes. also i you know anyone and, and faculty as well and faculty too <laughs> i don't think i've got any faculty listening but <laughs> you never know um but if anyone yeah. interested in contacting terry I'll leave all those things down below. Um, and I really ho I hope this podcast was helpful to everyone listening and you'll learn something and hopefully this pushes you or not pushes you, but like, um, I don't know, help might help you become a bit more open and we're talking about things. I'm back. My battery just nearly <laughs> died, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we'll round it off there. Thank you so much, Terry, for coming on. My pleasure, Robbie. It was really great to chat to you and it was really interesting hearing about things from a psychotherapist perspective. Um, like from a professional, this is the first episode with a professional who's not like a student who's currently a dancer. So it's really good to have different people come on. Um, but yeah, we'll finish it there. Thank you so much and oh you guys can hear me in the next episode but yeah bye <laughs>